Hey friends, and welcome back to the Theopolis Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Motes, and I'm the content manager at Theopolis Institute. Theopolis trains men and women to lead cultural renewal by renewing the church. Participants in our programs will learn to read the Bible imaginatively, worship God faithfully, and engage the culture intelligently. In this episode, we are continuing our series on the 10 words with Peter Lightheart and Alistair Roberts. Here they'll be discussing the third word about not bearing God's name lightly. We wanted to remind you real quick that we are putting out weekly theological videos on our YouTube channel, and there's a link in the show notes where you can go and subscribe. We want to thank you for listening, and we hope that you are sharpened and encouraged by this conversation over this passage. And here are Peter Lightheart and Alistair Roberts discussing the third word. Welcome to the Theopolis Podcast. This is Peter Lightheart. I'm here today with Alistair Roberts, who's uh, here visiting us in Birmingham. He'll be here through toward the end of July when we will launch our new fellows program. And uh, he's hanging around for a while and uh, recording podcasts live, which is good. And uh, we're locking him in a room and getting, forcing him to get some writing done. And uh, he's working on other projects as he's enjoying the, uh, the beautiful weather here in Birmingham, Alabama. The weather really appeals to his English blood. <laughs> uh, he's delighted to be here during this time of year. Brian Motes, as usual, is uh, making sure that we stay on track. He's going to edit out the floundery bits, of which there are many, and uh, make us sound intelligent. So thanks to Brian for that. We're in the middle of a series on the Ten Words, and uh, we've been looking at uh, the overall pattern of the Ten Words. We spent a couple of episodes talking about the literary form of the Ten Words, and we've started into the Ten Words themselves, as I've been reminding you every time. I'm using the phrase Ten Words rather than Ten Commandments because that's the way the Bible speaks about the text that we find in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. The words that are inscribed on the tablets of stone are the Ten Words. That's how the Bible describes them. And uh, so we're trying to stick with that biblical language as much as we can to remind us of the fact that the this text includes things other than commandments. It's not just a series of rules, but it's ultimately, as we've argued in, in previous episodes, it's ultimately an, uh, an revelation of the true Son. Uh, it's the true Son, the true Israel, who is Jesus Christ. This is a character sketch of Jesus. And um, along the way, it gives us not only commandments, but also describes God's character, His work for Israel. He tells Israel, uh, He threatens Israel with curses if they don't obey. He promises them blessing if they do obey, and so on. Those are all words that are part of the Ten Words. We're now on the third word in Exodus 20, that's verse 7, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The Lord will not leave him guiltless who takes the name in vain. Uh, we, We alluded to this at the end of the last episode, but I wanted to expand on it a little bit. The the first three words uh, function as a, as a unit. Um, these are three different forms of idolatry. Uh, there's the direct idol, idolatry of worshiping another god. There's the liturgical idolatry of worshiping God through images. There's the practical idolatry of bearing the name of the Lord in vain. Those are all different ways of insulting God, different ways of departing from God. Uh, As Alistair suggested in the last episode, uh, these do match up with the persons of the Trinity. The first word is linked uh, more directly to the Father. Uh, The second word, speaking of the image, is linked to the Son, who is the image of the Father. 
third word speaks of the name that Israel bears, and that links up with the second person of the Trinity, who is the name that dwells in the temple, but uh, the name of God is imprinted on us, the name of God dwells in us through the Spirit, and so the third word, I think, links up with the Spirit. And you can see that those three sins, those three forms of idolatry, idolatry playing out in different uh, moments in, his, in the history of, uh, it's recorded in Scripture in the history of Israel. This one way to understand the opening chapters of Genesis is that you have a series of falls that run through these three commandments. Adam sins directly against God, disobeying his commandment. Cain sins against an image of God. He kills his brother. The sons of God grieve the spirit by their intermarriage with the daughters of men. They commit this kind of practical idolatry out in the world. Uh, you can see Israel, Israel's history broadly running through these, uh, these forms of idolatry. Uh, early on, Israel is devoted to false gods. Uh, throughout the book of Judges, they're actually adopting the gods of other nations. Throughout the period of kings, the issues are not, uh, they overlap, but they, they do worship false gods, but they also set up golden calves, which is a violation of the second commandment. And the southern kingdom uh, sets up high places, which again is a violation of the second commandment. It's a violation of the rules of Deuteronomy 12, which is part of the second commandment section of Deuteronomy. And then, especially in the exile, after the exile, when Israel is scattered out among the nations, they don't worship false gods. There aren't any more images that they're setting up, but they are bearing the name of God lightly. Uh, they're committing the sin of hypocrisy, as Jesus describes it in uh, the Gospels. So Israel's, Israel kind of moves through these phases uh, of idolatry, uh, and at different periods of Israel's history is manifesting these different different forms of idolatry. And as you say, um, it's connected with bearing the name. This is not just a sin of speech. It's a sin more generally of acting in a way that leads to God being blasphemed. Um, we see that in Paul's challenge to the Jews in Romans 2. The name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Yeah, a lot of Christians read this and think it's a commandment against cussing. cussing. So to take the name of the Lord of God in vain in that, in that view is to use God's name as a swear word when you're mad or something. But as you say, the verb there is, is carry, bear, lift up. It describes the name of the Lord as something that is placed on us, placed on our shoulders maybe, uh, placed on Israel's shoulders, and they're supposed, to, they're supposed to lift it up and carry it. And if you trace that back in Exodus, I think there's a background to this, this idea of bearing the name. The same verb is used to describe the Lord's work with Israel. He bore Israel out of Egypt on eagle's wings. It's the same verb. He carried them out. Later on, in, uh, after the golden calf incident, Moses speaks of the Lord's forgiveness as bearing the sin of Israel. So the first time this term is, or verb is used is describing the Lord's actions on behalf of Israel. But that's the basis for Israel's bearing of the Lord's name. Because Israel has been born on eagle's wings out of Egypt, therefore they bear the name of the Lord, and therefore they should bear it with uh, weightily rather than lightly. Israel is the firstborn son, and you might remind your children that they bear the family name. Everything that they do reflects upon the family. And in the same way, Israel is being charged to remember that they bear God's name out into the world. 
of course, we uh, going back to the, the earlier comment you made, Alistair, we're, we don't want to, shouldn't deny that speech is part of this. It's not just sins of speech, but uh, sins of speech would be covered by the third word, and particularly in settings where we're uh, called to take, where, where we are taking oaths, uh, calling on God as a witness, swearing that something that we're saying is true in a court situation or in a just an interpersonal situation, we're saying, I, I swear that I'm telling the truth. I swear in the name of God. Uh, that would be a, a form of bearing the name lightly because it would be treating God's name as if it were merely a, uh, a sound of the air. Uh, it's just a breath. And we call on God as witness to some false statement and we're treating God as if he's nothing. It doesn't, it doesn't really deal with bad language. That's not what the third commandment is about. But it does deal with sins of speech. That's one form That's one form of bearing the name lightly or bearing the name in vain. As we look through the first three commandments, often our instinct is to see them in terms of their prohibition. But within each one of them, there's a statement of divine grace and purpose that God has delivered his people out of Egypt so that they might be his people, that he is the God who shows mercy unto thousands of generations of those that fear him, and that he is the God who has placed his name upon his people, and that they should not bear that in vain. And there is implicit promise of intent there as well, that God does not want his people to bear his name in vain. He wants to produce in them his image. He wants to lead them into the fullness of the freedom for which he has delivered them. And within that, we can see part of the positive aspect of the commandments, what they're pointing towards in terms of God's salvation. And in, as, you, as you mentioned earlier, uh, part, of what is, uh, part of what's implied here is a, a, a Israel's mission. Uh, that's what, I think what Paul's getting at in Romans 2. The name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. It's quoting from Isaiah. But he's talking about the, the failure of Israel to live up to, to live out the Torah. It doesn't, it doesn't keep the law. They preach against the law. They use the law to judge other people, but they don't actually do it. Because of that, they fail in the mission that they were given. They're supposed to be guides to the blind. They're supposed to be a light in the darkness. They're supposed to be instructor of the foolish. All those things that Paul says in Romans 2 are actual descriptions of Israel's vocation. And the goal is that the nations would come to worship and serve and praise God. But instead, because they're bearing the name lightly, uh, they're not fulfilling that mission, and they produce the opposite from the Gentiles, blasphemy rather than praise. And the application to our situation in that respect is fairly obvious. We bear the name of Christ as Christians, and the name of Christ is something that is front and center in the book of Acts. All these miracles and signs being performed in the name of Jesus. The fact of the power of the Spirit in connection with the work of God through the name of Christ um, in the early church is something that is everywhere on that text. And we who are connected with the name of Christ, are we bearing it in a way that is effective, in a way that is actually... Um, a channel of the salvation that God has designed for people? Or are we doing it in a way that causes people to blaspheme his name? Yeah. The responsibility of bearing the name is intensified in the New Testament. And in a couple of senses, it's not just that people call us Christians, as Acts says it. The people of the way were eventually identified as Christ followers, as Christians. But God himself is 
placed his name on us in baptism. So we're baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, and therefore bear that name. We have that liturgical, liturgically reiterated every Sunday by a benediction that places the name. That's the language that number six uses about the benediction. Aaron places the name on Israel so that we receive the name at baptism. The name is reimposed on us, as it were, every time we gather for worship. So there's a, a very direct sense in which we bear the name. The other, the other direction that confirms that or reinforces that is uh, to uh, remember the use of uh, the name as the description of uh, the, the person uh, dwelling in the temple. When the Lord speaks of the temple, uh, sometimes speaks of himself dwelling in the temple, but the, the language of First and Second Kings is more usually the name of the Lord dwells in the temple. And there's this, uh, there's a more ambiguous relationship of the Lord to his house. Is the Lord dwelling there? Well, his name is there. His eyes and his ears are there. He says he will dwell there, but then it's described as his name. I think their name is uh, should be taken as a, a way of speaking, an Old Testament way of speaking about the second person of the Trinity. But so Israel, in that case, you have a temple indwelt by the name in the midst of Israel. And in that that's one of Israel's vocations. In That's one of the ways they're supposed to keep the third word, is by maintaining the name in the temple. When we translate that into a new covenant, uh, into a new covenant um, idiom, uh, we are the temple. The name of God dwells in us by the Spirit. And so bearing the name becomes an even more intense, intense responsibility for us because we, it's not just that there's a there's a temple out there in Jerusalem that bears the name that where the name dwells, but we ourselves are temples of God in which the name dwells. And so uh, we are very directly bearing the name before the world. And bearing name, the name of someone, is not just a matter of protecting the honor of that name, but it's also being commissioned um, that to bear a name is to have authority, to be authorized. And we can think of um, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, that this is the one that God has sent. And that bearing of the name of the Lord maybe suggests that there is a calling to the mission that that should not be undertaken in vain, um, that we should not just be those who protect the honor of God's name, but we should be those who seek to answer his his summons or his authorization of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it gives us kind of uh, that, that uh, gives kind of a double stance toward the world. On the one hand, we can speak with uh, confidence and authority because we are speaking in the name of the Lord Jesus who has commissioned us. Um, but at the same time, there's a kind of humility involved in that because we, we don't have any message of our own to preach. We're not, we don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus, as Paul says. And so there's a kind of humble confidence that comes out of that. Because we're doing what we do, we're carrying out the mission in the name of the Lord of heaven and earth. Thank you again for enjoying this episode of the Theopolis Podcast. For more information and for more content from Theopolis, you can check us out online at theopolisinstitute.com. We release new articles every Tuesday and Thursday on our blog, so you'll want to make sure to look out for those. You can also find us on Twitter at underscore Theopolis and on Facebook if you just search for our name. 
If you've been helped, sharpened, and encouraged by this podcast, we'd really love it if you would go to iTunes and leave us a review. It just takes a few seconds, and it really will help us along in getting our content in front of new listeners. That's all for now, friends. We really look forward to being with you all again in the next episode. And as always, thank you so much for listening.